talk about this for years, both on the air and here on the podcast. Now the Payday Podcast. Uh, best betting weekend of the year. It is Breeders' Cup 2019. Best betting weekend of the year because the fields are full. Uh, there are horses from all over the country, coming from all over the world. You get big prices, you get big fields, and you get big opportunities to win money. That is the point. This podcast has been around for over 10 years in some way, shape, or form, going back to, I don't know, 2007, 2008, doing the exact same thing, bringing on very smart people, talking about big races to help us make money. We've done that year after year after year, and Breeders' Cup 2019 is no different. Matt Bernier will join us from TVG NBC Sports, uh, Jess Paquette of Suffolk Downs, and our buddy Dick Girardi, courtesy of the Express Bet Get Wagering Guide, all to do one thing, help us make money in these races, both Friday and Saturday. We'll cover 11 of the uh, 14 Breeders' Cup races, and look, there's a million horse racing podcasts out right there right now. Uh, many more when we started this thing over 10 years ago. So I say thank you right at the top for listening and downloading. And hopefully you're not just taking our picks and betting them blind. The point of this podcast is to mix in some of your ideas with the ideas of very sharp people. I am a radio guy who does this uh, for fun. The people we talk to and Matt Bernier and Jess Paquette and Dick Girardi are doing this for a living. They are into it. They are educated and they are smart. In fact, Jess gave us a what? $10,000 trifecta ticket uh, up on the Suffolk Downs website for the Kentucky Derby. So uh, that's what we'll try to do over the course of the next uh, about an hour or so. We'll go through every race uh, on Saturday. We'll go through a couple of the races on Friday. And hopefully in the end, you take some of our ideas, take some of your ideas, put them together and make some money because that is the point of the Payday Podcast Breeders' Cup Edition for Breeders' Cup 2019. All right, it's the best betting weekend of the year. It's Friday, it's Saturday, it's Breeders' Cup 2019. Uh, and you won't be able to turn on your TV without seeing Matt Bernier, now of TVG and NBC Sports. He has been a guest of ours for over 10 years on this horse racing podcast. Like a million of these uh, horse racing podcasts now, but I can tell you pretty confidently we're one of the first handful that was doing this uh, throughout the Triple Crown. And Matt Bernier was a guest every single time. He's from the mean streets of Western Massachusetts. He's a star now on television. A lot more makeup now on TVG, I've noticed. going to be honest. A lot, lots changed since the last time you and I spoke, and it wasn't even all that long ago. It was, it was for the Belmont. A lot of things, have, a lot of things have gone on, but all for the better. Everything's going really well, and uh, I'm standing outside right now. Uh, it's what Thursday morning, and we've got racing coming up this afternoon at Santa Anita. The sun's out, and uh, everyone's excited for the weekend. Well, congratulations. Uh, I, it was not a surprise to me right away. You found a, a spot with TVG. They do a great job over there, obviously. Uh, what's your schedule this week? People are going to see you on TV. Where and when, Matt, the next couple of days? Well, by the time most folks are listening to this, the betting show is probably going to come and gone. Before Eastern on Thursday, we'll be live for an hour for the betting show, betting the Breeders' Cup on NBCSN. I'm sure they'll rerun that a few times, though, before tomorrow's yep. action. That kicks off. I don't even know what time East Coast we start, but uh, and then Friday and Saturday, me and Edzo will be up at the touch screen making picks for all of the Breeders' Cup races on Friday and Saturday. So uh, plenty of action, NBCSN, and then the Classic is on in primetime out on your side of things at 8 o'clock Eastern on NBC. Yeah, we'll be at uh, Mohegan Sun late into the night, 8.45 or so, that post time, probably closer to 9 by the time they get it off for the Classic uh, in California. Before we get to the races, Matt, just I need a synopsis on the racetrack because obviously it's been a tough year for Santa Anita. A lot of handicappers smarter than me, sharper than me, are saying things like the track is different, the track is deeper, the track is slower. Do you agree with that? And what does that mean as we prepare to look at these races over the weekend? You know, it's going to be really interesting to see. I agree that the track is different. It is a slower surface than what we're accustomed to out here in Southern California. Um, it's all designed, obviously, with the horse in mind, first and foremost, trying to make it as safe as possible. 
Uh, I've even heard things this morning that they have added some some sand to the to the surface. I don't know. Frankly, I, I think the difficult thing is, and Lafitte Pinkai and I were talking about it a little bit, the difference is, you know, typically you have this, this overall body of work of Breeders' Cups on dirt at Santa Anita, and you can pick up some tendencies here and there. This year is a bit of a horse of a different color because it is. It's just a different surface, and, and a lot of people have brought it up, and I think you need to be cognizant of it. Maybe you want to give the hometown contingent a little bit of an edge on the main track anyway because they've at least trained over it some of them have raced over it and they've proven that they can handle it as opposed to maybe some of the horses just getting off the plane whether they're shipping in from kentucky or new york and really tomorrow and saturday are going to be the first two times that they're really going to encounter this track some of them galloped over it but you're only going to be able to gain so much from that from seeing that so um it you know I, I, i hate to be as sort of ambivalent here or just not give you any kind of a concrete answer but i frankly i don't know what to expect from the track i expect it to be slower than what we're used to seeing but in the grand scheme of things i think it's probably for the best if it's all for safety the turf has played pretty fair uh, if i tell you i think that looking at the last couple of weeks the last week or so the rail has not been the place to be heading into thursday racing is that a fair assessment yeah i, I would agree with that the first three weeks or so of the meeting it, it definitely favored speed and inside and then i feel like over the past week or week and a half roughly of racing so that's probably only been about three or four cards yeah uh, these, these wide moves were making some some pretty impressive uh, ground. Uh, horses coming from a little bit farther off of it as well. So uh, it's something to keep an eye on. And again, we're, we're talking here on Thursday. Keep an eye on the racing on Thursday. And if you don't get to catch it live, obviously go back and do a little bit of chart and replay work because uh, this is really going to be your only barometer leading into Friday and Saturday, how this track looks. Yep, and I uh, want to keep updated. I'm sure Matt will keep it updated on social media and on TV, his thoughts on uh, how the track is playing. I don't want to overthink it because they are the best horses uh, in the world, and we have op- opportunities all weekend to make some money, which is the point of this podcast. We're a handicapping podcast. First and foremost, we have three-geared handicappers uh, on the show here today. We're going to go through some dirt races with Matt. Uh, we're going to start with the fourth race, the first Breeders' Cup race on Saturday, the Philly and Mare Sprint. Uh, Kefefi is going to be, I think, one of the shorter prices here on the weekend match. She drove, she drew the rail, but I don't think that's going to be an issue. She has speed. Uh, do we want to try to beat her in this spot, or is she just a horse you're going to key off going forward to start your day? Well, it's not that I'm way against her, but I do think she has some obstacles. You brought up that rail draw. Um, I believe that the statistic is the inside three posts for the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint are over 36 lifetime. Uh, not a great look, not a great number. Maybe she's just that good and she'll be able to overcome it. You also brought up the speed factor. She is likely the controlling speed, but she's got company just outside to Dendus because my girl, Kevin has my Nikki, has a little bit of early foot. Bella Fina is going to be showing some early speed. So I think they're going to be throwing it down. Selcourt, obviously, her best runs are when she's outright on the lead. I think it's going to be a very, very spirited pace early on. And, and put it this way, if Kefefi wins, I think she's going to have to earn it. On numbers alone, she lays over the field, but I think she's going to have to work hard in this one. Yeah. So I'm going to be against her. I'm going to take a shot again. Who do you want in this spot then? Uh, you know, every year it seems like there's one horse that I fall in love with, and, and admittedly they're probably not fast enough to win, but uh, I'm really taken by Lady Ninja. Uh, she's a, a one-time claimer. She continues to improve bit by bit. She may not be the sexiest thing on paper, but just the tenacity, the way that she went and ran down self court, that was in the L.A. Woman most recently at the beginning of October. It was when the track was still intensely speed-friendly. The kickback has been well-documented here that it's it's very difficult for horses coming from off of it to handle. And she had it all thrown right in her face, and she still went and got a pretty solid horse in cell court. Again, she is is not as classy as some of these other runners, but there's just those instances where I fall in love with horses and I say, you know what, 
I like the heart. I like the try. I want to give her a look, and she's going to be every bit of twelve, fifteen to one. Come so. on, we can, how can you turn down a, a cutback like Bellafina off that ridiculous pace at the Cotillion last time? They're cutting her back. She's four for four at Santa Anita. She gets a great setup here at six to one. Uh, I'm not saying that she won't be a live player. I, I would just throw out the the possibility that she just has not improved from her two year old campaign. That's I mean, fair. I understand there have been some races where she's been probably in positions that don't flatter her running ability and her running style and things of that nature. She's getting back home, which helps. Santa Anita is obviously where she makes her hay, but um, I think she's also going to be a little bit of a wise guy horse. I can see her going off in that 9-2 to two range. I've loved come dancing all year here in New York. you have any shot to, to run down some of these uh, big horses we're talking about, Matt? No, she's my big fade in here. Uh, okay. I, I just look at it and say, I like what she's done thus far. The, the visuals are, are the thing that's really turning me off. You know, she's not a good gate horse. She doesn't get out of the gate very alertly. Then you go back to that gallant bloom most recently, extremely late to change leads, and she lugged in badly to the point where it looked like she was going to go over the inside rail. Uh, for me, look, I, I like Carlos Martin a lot. I think he's a really underrated trainer in New York. I just, if she wins, I'll lose. I don't want, I'm not going to have any part of her here. Right, let's talk about the dirt mile. It's race number six, and at least as of Thursday afternoon here, Eastern Time, this is the tip horse race where everyone has a horse that's training incredibly. Bob Baffert's been touting improbable the two horse all week. Spun to run, freaked at uh, parks the last couple of races. Omaha Beach is a monster. Mr. Money's a monster. Uh, the, you got a Korean horse and blue chipper on the outside. People like Diamond Oops for Patrick Bean Cohn has been touted. So, it, you want to pick one of these, or is it as simple as Omaha Beach returning and crushing this field as a prep for the Pegasus uh, early next year? I think Omaha Beach is the best horse in the race, but given his likely odds, where we, we, we might be looking at four to five when it's all said and done, yeah. I just I, I got to take a little bit of a shot against him. And I, I initially was very skeptical of the stakes race that was run at Parks on October the 12th. When I saw it, visually, it checked all the boxes from the effort from Spun to Run, but he had never run anything nearly as fast as the 110 buyer that he earned. I started looking around. I talked to folks, Randy Moss, who's part of the, the buyer associates. I go, Randy, is this thing legit? He goes, 100%. And then you go back through, and you see the horses that have exited that race. They've come back to flatter the form. Bone Raison, he paid about $40 at Belmont last week, and he came back and earned a 97 buyer. The third-place finisher, forewarned, he was the next out winner with a 93 buyer. And if you look at those numbers and you compare the distance they were beaten by Spun to Run, that 110 looks looks pretty darn legit. So, uh, for me, he's going to be the one that I want to take a little bit of a shot with. Uh, he's not going to be a giant price, but I can see him being in that 5-6-1. to one. I'm going to go with Spun to Run. Uh, from a pace perspective, Matt, are you expecting Cole Front to just you know, set the pace and wing it and these other speed horses we were talking about, uh, sort of a second tier ready to run down Cole Front? Do you give Cole Front any chance to wire this group? I, I think Cole Front's a nice horse. He's probably much better than I've ever rated him or given him the credit for. He's got to go, I think. I thought it was a really, uh, let's say, Workmanlike effort in that park dirt mile there that he won most recently over Diamond King. I think he goes beneath Javier, and at that point, you just got to kind of wait and see. I think Mr. Money's going to be a little bit more aggressive as opposed to seeing we saw that 49 and change half mile at uh, parks in the Pennsylvania Derby. That didn't work. He brought everybody else into the run. I think they're going to be a little bit more aggressive with him, and I really don't believe Omaha Beach will be that far off of it. Um, the, the interesting sort of uh, fly in the ointment or the wrinkle to the pace situation would be um, I'm hearing whispers that Improbable is going to be on a dead set. I don't know if that's hmm. true or not. Um, he's also a bad gate horse. So, you know, do with that what you will. Um, I don't I – don't, I look, you and I have talked about it. I, I don't love Improbable. I never really have. Uh, if he wins, I'll lose. But 
from a pace standpoint, he may be part of it. Yeah, eight posts out uh, going a mile or longer on the dirt so far at this meet, just two for 20. Uh, I'm with you on Spunder Run. I think that's a legit figure. Omaha Beach might be a freak. The price uh, I will mention is Giant Expectations, who I thought was widest of all in that Pat O'Brien uh, and has had some success here at Santa Anita. For Peter Ayrton, and at least uh, from a numbers standpoint, is potentially in the mix with a slight move forward at the age of six. So uh, he's going to be coming uh, from uh, way far back. He's going to need that setup that you talked about. But I'll use a little bit of uh, Giant Expectations with Spun to Run and with that uh, at least monster on paper, uh, uh, Omaha Beach, uh, off his great return race. As for the distaff, these are the Phillies, uh, three and up. They are going to be running the 10th race at Santa Anita about 7 o'clock Eastern time uh, in this race. We thought we'd get a late and midnight Bisu, a late ops for the classic, Matt. So uh, is it as simple as midnight Bisu for fun here is a big, big favor in the distaff? I don't know about for fun. I, th- I mean, she's way the horse to beat, and I'm not going to fault anyone that says single and move on. I just wanted to get a little bit more creative, a mile on an eighth. I know she has sort of put that to bed, that sort of question, but I still do wonder if – I think she's much better going one turn than she is two turns, whether it's seven eighths at one turn, whether it's at Belmont Park going nine furlongs, a one-turn configuration. Those, to me, have been visually the best races she's ever run. Um, if you're inclined to go against Midnight Beast when you're looking for a price, the horse that I'm going to pick on top – is the number two Ollie's Candy for John Sadler. I thought the most recent run in the Zenyatta was, I, I, I couldn't draw up a better prep race. She broke a little, no, I don't want to say she broke slow, but she was a little bit in behind some runners. Again, that was when Santa Anita was very, very speed friendly. Those other horses went out there. Kent DeSormo, who was riding that day, put in a pretty significant middle move down the backstretch on the inside. She got up into basically the pocket position, and she just didn't quite kick on with the Paradise Woods and the Secret Spices of the world, but it was her first start since July down at Del Mar. That race was a great one. She won the Clement L. Hirsch. I think she takes a step forward here. She's come back. She's working fast. I think she's going to be part of the pace early on. I don't think she's going to be out there cutting out the fractions, but wouldn't surprise me if she's right up there and makes some of these horses run. Again, if you're looking to take a shot against Midnight Bisu at a big, big number, maybe the two Ollie's candy. She's my pick. How about Dunbar Road uh, for Chad Brown off that rail run at Keeneland where uh, everyone said the rail wasn't good. The horse fought on. Now you get the scratch out to a mile and a quarter. I thought this was as talented a three-year-old filly as we saw in the country this year. You put her in the mix to win this one? Yeah, I, you know what? I do. I think I think for all the reasons you just laid out. You know, the inside probably not where you wanted to be at Keeneland. I'm also sort of going with the working theory that Keeneland – I've always thought this way about their turf course, but now I'm thinking more and more about their dirt track. Some horses take to it and some horses don't. And I think you always need to take some of the results there with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, The only downfall of Dunbar Road at this point is I think at this point, from everything I'm hearing here around the track locally, I I think she's a stone-cold second choice in here and maybe wow. in that sort of three to one range it'd be less interesting at uh you know three to one than six to one so matt's uh, telling you here on the inside ollie's candy morning line 15 to one for john sadler and for joel rosario how about the classic matt we've talked about this and we'll talk about it uh, all across this podcast then give a decision to make going into the classic do you with or against mckenzie uh who's a home game for bob baffert gonna be part of the pace early gets the new jockey uh, and had an okay workout last time out off a maybe an, a so-so workout two back. Are you for or against McKenzie in the Breeders' Cup Classic 845 Saturday night? I've, I've joked with a number of people this week and said I, I'm only making a pick in this race because I have to because I don't, I don't, I don't like any of them. It's who, do I, it's who do I hate the least in this spot? Uh, McKenzie, look, the, the tape on his most recent workouts, as you alluded to, uh, leaves a little bit to be desired, though. The rider was all over him, and yes, maybe he took a little bit of a step forward, but um, I just wasn't thrilled with that effort, any of his workouts. Um, I didn't think he ran poorly in the awesome again, given the, the speed-friendly nature of the track, but 
Uh, he's one that I just had a short price. I'm going to fade him in here. Uh, look, process of elimination. I've never been a huge Vino Rosso fan. I think he makes plenty of sense in here. He's a winner at the trip, winner at the track, has a little bit of versatility, doesn't have to have the lead, but can be forward. Uh, I hate the mechanics for Code of Honor. I just don't know that I want him in a spot like this at what might be. I think there's a chance that he buys favoritism with McKinsey. Uh, long, long-winded way of saying, I'm going with the big girl. I'm going to give a late a chance in here. Um, I, I don't know that she's quite as talented as some of these other runners, but again, we talk about these races. Distance is the great equalizer. A mile and a quarter, not a problem for her. I thought the run in the spinster, again, not as bad as maybe it would seem at face value for the reason I brought up. I don't Some horses I just don't think take to Keeneland, and she's run a couple of clunkers at Keeneland throughout her career, so I don't really want to hold that against her. And my sort of working idea is if she runs back to the run two starts back in that personal length, and if you're of the opinion that Midnight Beast is one of the best, if not the best horse in training, period, well, why wouldn't that nose defeat for a late be good enough to run against this group in the classic that's a little bit on the subpar side? Uh, I'm going to, by default, reluctantly go with the late to win the class. Yeah, it's a weird race. I don't have a, a real strong opinion. There's no arrogate in here. There's no gun runner where I think you can latch on to. And because of that, uh, I try to make the case, I think, for the other Vilmot. I, I don't hate a late in the spot, but Yoshida's been up against it from a pace perspective. We think at a mile and a quarter, he's going to grind these horses down. Like If, if this track is going to allow for anybody off the pace and there's any sort of speed set up up front, He's lightly raced this year. I feel like they pointed back here. Bill Mott's won this race with some uh, prices before. I mean, they, this feels like an opportunity where the distance is the, the decision point. And I think Yoshida of this group, Matt, has the best chance to get the distance convincingly. Yeah, and look, from just an overall quality standpoint, you can make the case that he is as good, if not better, than any of these other runners. But I just look at it and... I- I mean, I said to you off the record, I would have loved him in the turf mile because I think his his, <laughs> yeah. his kick is just really accentuated at a flat mile as opposed to, you know, these longer distances out to a mile and a quarter. He could certainly win this race. I wouldn't stun me at all. I don't love the running style for this kind of track, trying to come from way out of it, but uh, he definitely won. Again, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if any one of – Eight of those horses end up winning on Saturday night. Yeah, I want to be alive to a bunch here. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to get skinny. I, I think in the late pick five, I'm probably going to be focused on Matoli uh, in that sprint. And then I can go narrow when it comes to the turf. And so you can get yourself spread out to a bunch in late pick fours uh, and pick fives here on Breeders' Cup Classic Day. Uh, a couple superlatives, Matt. Uh, you know, biggest, if you had to say, biggest lock of the weekend, horse you think uh, cannot lose between Friday and Saturday. Sister Charlie, uh, I, I felt that way before the defection of Pace. Uh, I feel that way now. I, I just think she's much the best in there. I would have liked her against Magical if Magical had come over here and run in that spot. I just think Sister Charlie, I, I've gone on record saying, I think she's the best horse Chad Brown's ever had, and I see no reason why she can't get the job done here. Uh, biggest price play you're looking to, to work this weekend as you go through these races? Well, Lady Ninja probably falls into that category yeah. a little bit. Ollie's Candy probably falls into that category a little bit. Uh, if you're looking for a horse on Friday that I quite like, uh, the Juvenile Turf, down on the inside, you're not going to get the 15 to 1, I don't think, because he's another horse that people are talking about. But I like our country quite a bit. Um, he just he feels like that kind of horse where the past two trips uh, definitely draw a line through the with anticipation two back. But most recently in that run at Belmont, I think he ran quite well. There wasn't a ton of pace. He was wide. He tried every step. The pace held up. Uh, I think it was better than it looks, and it sounds like the connections are bullish on his chances. So 
uh, our country. You probably don't get 15 to 1 on Friday. Maybe you get somewhere closer to 10. One of my favorite maiden races this summer up at Saratoga. He ran in that first time. My buddy Mike D sniffed that race out, and that has been uh, a key race going forward. Uh, is, is there is there a section of races, Matt? We'll get you out on this. I mean, how it's a handicapping podcast. So from a betting standpoint, you're doing this stuff every day. Do you know what you're going to focus in on? Is there a spot or spots you know from a a, a multi-race uh, uh, situation, zero races that you know that's going to be where you are focused in on Friday or Saturday? Yeah, it's going to be those late pick fives, mainly because yeah. we talk about it sort of ad nauseum, but it's value. It's 15% takeout. you got to be diving in. It's the best of the best. Uh, Edzo and I, through the Breeders' Cup, we're playing a combined $500 pick five on Friday and one on Saturday, and any of the winnings are going to thoroughbred aftercare so awesome. we're, we're hopeful that we can catch something there and uh i i can speak for myself and i'm sure edzo is going to follow suit i'm playing our ticket as well so hopefully we can head something and get some box cars and guess what the other thing is those two sequences maybe the one on saturday is not quite as brutally difficult as the one on friday but with all those two-year-old races uh you're going to need some coverage there in those races so but yeah for me the late pick fives along with look the good old there's nothing wrong with good old-fashioned win place bets in a spot like this where you're going to get giant prices. If you like McKenzie, that he's always been in that four to five even money range, you're going to get him Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, somewhere in the three to one vicinity. So, you know what? You're not going to get another chance like that anytime other than the Breeders' Cup. That's what makes this so fun. Uh, Bernie underscore Matt on social media and, of course, uh, NBC Sports throughout the weekend uh, with Enzo making these picks, Matt. Have a great Breeders' Cup, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you and hopefully see you sometime uh, as we get towards uh, the end of the year, maybe the Mohegan NHC tournament uh, in December, maybe uh, early next year somewhere along the Triple Crown Tail. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks. You got it, Matt. Good luck. Breeders' Cup weekend. If you're in Boston, one spot to be. Suffolk Downs, they are open. Jess Paquette, who is here, uh, courtesy of Suffolk Downs. Suffolk Downs is open for business, correct? Suffolk Downs is open for business. We have some great concession specials this weekend, some great food, some great drinks, and most of all, some great horse racing. You can watch and wager on the Breeders' Cup, as well as full simulcasting from coast to coast. Uh, people think that the place is closed. They think that people have moved on. And unfortunately, we are we're here on. to remind people we are it is still, still there. there. Uh, there is hope there is live racing somewhere next year, but that's... Sounds like up in the air as of uh, Breeders' Cup weekend 2019. The future of horse racing in New England kind of is still to be determined, but uh, at Suffolk Downs, we're continuing to be open for simulcasting. Good. We're continuing to pursue avenues that we can bring horse racing back to the Commonwealth. And I personally, I believe in horse racing here in Massachusetts, and I'm I'm all in. I'm, we're still there. Come see us. Well, I love your passion for it. And uh, if people like you are fighting for horse racing, we're in a good place. Fans like myself, handicappers like myself, and hopefully... We can have a country house-like pick for the Breeders' Cup. Of course, <laughs> Jess Paquette hit the try uh, for about ten grand in the uh, Kentucky Derby. So Ten no, years from now, no we're pressure. still going to be mentioning that. Absolutely. That's, that's a lifetime score. Absolutely. I, I, hope, I mean, I'd like to do better, but yeah, maybe, maybe this okay. weekend we'll do better. I'd like to do like somewhere in that ballpark ever in my entire life. But uh, Jess is a great handicapper. She knows these horses in and out. And I think, I know you hit the Derby, I think your strength is turf. Thank you. I, I think, I think so, too. Is all your strength. So there are four turf races on the card on Saturday. We're going to talk about all four turf races uh, on this card. We're going to start with race number five, which is the uh, Breeders' Cup Sprint. Unfortunately, uh, because of the safety issues at Santa Anita, this is no longer the coolest race in racing. It was down the hill, six and a half furlongs, crossing over dirt. Now it's five and a half furlong, dirt sprint, kind of an old, boring turf sprint setup in a race where 
I think I have an opinion, but uh, if half the field won, I would not be surprised. Help us out here. Race number five, the turf sprint on Saturday. I think this is an interesting race. I do have a couple of really strong opinions in this spot. And Suffolk Downs is kind of referred to as the hometown favorite. I think as New England fans, we're always looking for a local rooting interest. Sure, and there absolutely. are not one. But two, one's a little bit obscure, but there are two local rooting interests here. And those are actually the two horses I wound up on. Number two, Pure Sensation, bred and owned by Patricia Generazio. They are, Patricia, Patricia's a longtime New England owner, uh, some great horses throughout the years. And I was looking, can you believe Christophe Clement has never had a Breeders' Cup winner? Uh, it's hard to believe, given his success. I find that shocking. I think this could certainly be the horse. Uh, this is a hard-knocking eight-year-old gelding. He kind of shows up, runs his race. Hard he's pressed. so fast. He's so good at parks, but he's so fast. But he And he shows, you can't find that he's run a bad race. I mean, just you keep going, looking through his races, even like that fifth place, place finish, that's not a bad race. I think consistency is really key. And he's who I have on top. Uh, a little bit more of a price is right to his outside, the three imprimis. Uh, so the reason I wound up on this horse first, and then I went back and I kind of made a logical pick here. The mayor shoppers return, broke her maiden at Suffolk, won her next race at Suffolk. She was another class of horse at Suffolk back then. She was a serious racehorse for John and Charlie Asimakopoulos. And she came from a graded stakes producing female family. So it's no surprise that she's turned out to be a terrific little broodmare. So that was why I noticed this horse. And sometimes you just need to notice them for a reason. And then I kind of looked through, I really like him. And the reason I like him uh, is the jockey intent here. Frankie Dettori rode him at Royal Ascot. Yep. And no offense to Paco Lopez, but I will take Frankie Dettori any day. And that he's back, abo- <laughs> that he's back yeah, on board. that's an understatement, yes. Uh, he, that, he, that he's elected to go back on this horse, I think, says a lot. And, I mean, Frankie doesn't need to ride these races anymore. He's not just coming here for the experience. Yep. He is coming to do his backflip in the winner's circle. Uh, we land on the same horse. I, if you're picking pure sensation, Sorry, that's guys. fine. I'm on Imprimis, man. This is oh, my cool. price play of the weekend. Awesome. I, you, you said Me for, too. So you said for a couple of reasons. I, I mean, I'm not tied into the, the mayor being from Suffolk Downs. What I'm tied into is a horse that has had some crazy trips. I mean, completely shut off in the lane last time, and the Woodford was hemmed in, as the comment line says in the turf sprint. I mean, beginning of this year, this is the best turf sprinter in the country. Uh, and going back to when this horse broke his maiden for Timmy Hills, I mean, he immediately freaked and won at 33-1. to 1. He's fast. If he gets the trip, he can win this race. And I, I just don't feel strongly about the other horses in here. Uh, I thought Eddie Haskell is probably the most logical horse, uh, but he's going to be five to two, three to one. I don't want a favorite in. You know, uh, this is this is roulette on horseback turf sprints. Like you have to get the trip, and so I'm not going to settle for three to one, four to one, seven to two. I want a price. Uh, I think the Totally Boss is a complete uh, toss city off his speed trip last time at Kentucky Downs, which was super speed favoring that day. Leinster had a perfect trip. Uh, Shecky Shabazik, I'm a case for getting in uh, off the AE list. Final Frontier ran okay. And I will just point this out as you're looking at the turf sprints. The wide posts have been atrocious. So, so far at Santa Anita, uh, the outside posts in turf sprints are combined uh, two for almost uh, 30. They're not winning from out there in turf sprints. You've got to be inside. So I, 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 there's more horses I don't like than I do like, and so we amazingly land on the same eight to one shot imprimis. Well, we for might Joe look Arsino very smart. And Frankie Dettori. I want to see Frankie Dettori do a backflip. A somersault off this horse in the winter circle on Saturday. So this is a good example that handicappers can wind up on the same horse in two very different paths. Absolutely, we took, we took two like really roundabout ways to get there. I don't but know I who think, the heck the mare was that you were talking about. Man, but she was great. I, so ne- she was see, great. I'm not a breeding guy. I'm a speed and trip guy. And see, this is why you can have two different types of handicapping. Uh, we'll turn our page, who I think is going to be probably the biggest favorite of the weekend. Uh, race number seven, mile and a quarter. It's the Breeders' Cup, Philly and Mare Turf. 
Uh, this thing lost some luster when Magical did not get sent over. Uh, this is all Sister Charlie, correct? Number two horse, Sister Charlie, has six consecutive grade one races, has won seven of the last eight. Uh, I think the most likely winner on the card is in this race. Do you want to talk me off of Chad Brown at, like, even money on Saturday? I won't talk you off of her. I do. I think Sister Charlie could win for fun. It's the Breeders' Cup. You've got to take a swing for it. And I have two uh, two horses that I really like. It, maybe they can beat her. So if you like Sister Charlie, you kind of have to like Mississippi at 8-1 to one for Grand Motion. This horse was beaten yeah, right un- under a length by Sister Charlie last time out. I think she ran a great race. She galloped out well. And it was only her second U.S. start. You have to think these horses coming in from European form are going to continue to acclimate to the American racing system. And Graham Motion, he, he's uh, he's my favorite, to be uh, to be fair. Well, he has killed me in these turf races in the Breeders' Cup. He has had some monster prices win and late in these pick fours. So yeah. the the coolest thing, I was down in Maryland for the Real Rider Cup that he and his wife I Anita put on. I saw that. Congratulations, on. yeah. I felt like the biggest, uh, the biggest nerd when I walked into their home. And there's Better Talk Now's uh, beautiful uh, Breeders' Cup blanket of flowers, just and I just was gawking <laughs> at it for a, for a good ten minutes. I, like I cashed a great ticket on him. I was such a fan. It, it's the motions have such a respect for the horses and their accomplishments. Uh, their throw pillows throughout their house are Breeders' Cup saddlecloths. It, cool. it was very cool. But anyway, Mississippi. Uh, I think she's getting better. I don't think he planned for her to peak in you know the flower bowl. I think that she's rounding into form. Third start off a bit of a layoff. And we- they had thought about the turf for her when Magical ended up not making the trip. They said, you know what, one more shot at Sister Charlie. They think they're right with this horse. I, and I think they're right. And other my the other horse I'm going with is number seven, Basilica. I, maybe Dan Ward will get his first Breeders' Cup winner. It's a karma angle. If you like Jerry Hollendorf, I, I like don't really. Treated, uh, um, the folks out at Santa but I think the entire yeah. thing is so weird. It's, it's just ridiculous. it's just so bizarre. Uh, and Basilica loves the track. Eleven yep. uh, eleven wins at Santa Anita. It's hard to knock that. I'm going to be keying my uh, sister Charlie late in these uh, some of these plays. I'm going to use Villa Marina, uh, the All horse right. coming out of the pre. Uh, De La Opera right there and, and I can't pronounce it right but that was a good win beating Fleeting who's back in here and Fleeting's going to come running too so I, I want my Sister Charlie on top I'm going to use your horse and all the Europeans underneath but I think uh, if, if Sister Charlie runs her race with Tice as the, the rabbit for her in here she's going to be awfully tough to beat uh, a race where I don't have a strong opinion is the Breeders' Cup Mile uh, I think I think the six scratched I did not see okay this, there you go. This, I may have been seeing this on the Twitter um, so I don't know how true that is but Check, make sure you guys check. Make sure you check. Um, make sure you check. Is in there, that, change, uh, that changes the yep. that changes the pace entirely. If that she would scratches. set things up for maybe potentially somebody else or different speed uh, to carry this thing out. So maybe different handicapping. Sister Charlie's just that good. I'm not sure it's going to matter. Or I might be spreading rumors. Who knows? That's Who knows okay. what you check, get on the Twitter? Check your Twitter feed for an update. Good job by you. We're handicapping these races on Thursday, so you got plenty of time to look for Friday and Saturday. The Breeders' Cup Mile. We could spend an hour on. I wouldn't feel much better about it. Uh, what do you want to do here? I love these races. I think these races are so interesting. And I am going for, I'm just taking a big swing. I think Circus Circus Maximus, logical choice. Scott Stormy, boy, she looks great. I'll probably default to her. Like she's the next Teppin for Mark Cassie. I am going with number 10, Without Parole. Ooh, the new Chad Brown acquisition. Why not? The other, other Chad Brown here. So how fitting would it be for Chad Brown to win a Breeders' Cup race with the son of Frankel, first off? Who, I mean, he worked he worked under Frankel the human, and uh, Bobby was such a mentor to Chad. But without parole, 
fascinating here. His recent form is not great, but I think this is a race that's really devoid of speed. Oh yeah, um, and there's no. But there's not look, for a mile. There's not much. There's, pace in here. there's not much. So you look through his running lines, and even though he hasn't run particularly well, he shows speed. Whether you know he's cheap European speed or not, that kind of remains to be seen. But he kind of, to me, runs like a horse that just runs out of gas. And the Lasix getting the Lasix for the first time might move him up. Uh, so I think there's kind of a lot of things conspiring to make him sort of interesting. Well, the only issue I'd have, uh, and I don't, I have not watched enough of without paroles replays. Obviously, I thought much of the horse out of Frankel. Uh, I rat on a speed horse. Is that is that what you want? I think I'd rather have Jose if I had my uh, druthers, but sure. I'm not going to talk anybody off 20 to 1 and a new Chad Brown acquisition and has worked up an absolute storm at Belmont. You look at any of the reports, I mean, she's been right there. So you kind uh, of wonder if, if this is a horse that's getting Lasix in the morning and getting, I mean, really getting. And some of these jump up kind of, in spots like this. Yeah, I think there. I think there. I think there's a lot to like at a big price here. Yeah, I'm going to default to Got Stormy. I think you mentioned the lack of pace. I mean, at least mm-hmm. uh, on the the time form U.S. pace figures, she's going to be right there in that first flight. And I, I think that this horse last time had an excuse. Uh, that Woodbine, that stretch, that's a long stretch. And I, I, I like Tyler Gaffleone. I thought she moved a little bit early and didn't realize where she was and got run down down by El Tormenta, who got a beautiful trip up the rail. I want no part of that horse in this race. Uh, but I, I think the, the 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 shorter stretch here at Santa Anita, the lack of pace in this race, and those back to back races at Saratoga were absolute standouts. I know she's seven to two, uh, but I'm going to chalk out a little bit with God Stormy. And if Uni wins, uh, I'm not going to be surprised. I wouldn't she's, be shocked either. She's phenomenal for Chad Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for the turf, uh, speaking of better talk now, it's the Breeders' Cup turf. They'll go a mile and a quarter uh, here. Europeans dominate this race usually. Uh, and here's the setup we have. We have Anthony Van Dyke out of Ireland. We have Bricks and Mortar out of America. This is a great showdown, at least on paper. Are you taking one of the two favorites in this race? I wouldn't talk you off of either of them. And I think Bricks and Mortar has had just a super lucrative year. He's run in all of these big money races. I like that he can run on a bunch of different turf courses. But again, it's the Breeders' Cup. Wacky things happen. I think this Breeders' Cup in particular is really setting itself up to be a little bit... Well, uh, there there could so. be there could be some big so. prices here, so I'm going to take a swing with number four Mount Everest. Uh, you might do you remember six perfections? She won the Breeders' I do, Cup yeah, mile. Won the mile, yeah. Mm-hmm. She passed away from foal complications recently, uh, so I, I mean, that's of no handicapping it, yeah. interest. But it's it just a fun. I mean, not really a fun fact. It's a fact. But uh, Mount Everest, I like. This is a horse who hasn't yet shown that he's a Group One sort of horse. But I think they think highly of him to send him over. Aiden isn't the type that I think sends them over yeah. just to send them. And I think he's interesting. He looks like a young horse that's kind of continuing to develop. I'm also going with Arklow. He just strikes me as a real like super effective ruiner that he is going to oh, get absolutely. you know get in the middle of it and blow up your ticket. So I'm not going to. Th- I'm I'm using him because I don't want to lose to him. The one I want to use besides the two favorites and bricks and mortar has had a horse of the year campaign. If he wins, mm-hmm. probably going to be horse of the year. Anthony Van Dyke has been right there with some of the best horses in Europe on the turf. The price I want to use is, is Alanac, who is the, the French bred, the number seven horse. And if you go back and watch the Canadian International, the grade one up at Woodmine, there was no pace in that race. This horse is way back along the rail, swung out wide, and was second best to Desert Encounter, who won this race in back-to-back years. They got a monster time form number for that, 129, which puts this horse right behind Bricks and Mortar as, I think, the second highest time form number in this field. It was coated blue, so the pace was not great there. I think there'll be more pace in this race. This horse can finish for sure. Looking back at a couple of the replays from earlier this year over in Germany uh, and over in, in, in some of those races. I don't know the class of those races, but this horse is going to finish. Didn't get a pace last time. It's going to be 20 to 1. 
coming from Europe, I'm using underneath with bricks and mortar. I'm using with uh, Anthony Van Dyke as a price because he the, the 99 is not going to stand out. If you factor in pace, that horse ran a much better race uh, up at the Canadian International. So give me a 20-to-1 shot to Alanac underneath the favorites. Uh, as for the Classic, um, look, it, it, I think it comes down to do you want to bet McKenzie or not? And I don't want to bet McKenzie. I, I don't want to bet McKenzie at the price. I don't want to bet McKenzie at a mile and a quarter. I don't want to bet McKenzie off his last couple of races. So I'm looking elsewhere. What do you want to do in the Classic, Jess? I am going to go with uh, Code of Honor, number 11. Shocker. Shocker uh, of the day. Well, I mean, it could, I could have easily Shug. been... Shug. Honor, I mean, this, this you know, is, my, this is my good pick. guy trifecta really worked for me in the I Derby, know, so I, 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 I am going again with kind of a, some, some good guy angles here with uh, Code of Honor and then Mott's horses. But I think Code of Honor has been just expertly and brilliantly brought along. He's a different horse now than I think he was in the spring at Gulfstream. Uh, physically, mentally, he just looks like a horse who's developed into, uh, I think he's going to be a sensational four-year-old. But I think he can cap off a very good three-year-old year as well here. I liked his effort last time. Do you think Vino Rosso should have come down? No, absolutely not. Oh, okay. In New York? All right. No, they do that all the time in New York. That horse absolutely should not have come down. If you like Cote you have to like Vino Rosso, I assume. Sure, and I like that Vino Rosso has already proven that he can go to California and win. He ran awesome in that Gold Cup. I think he's a little bit underrated. Uh, he, For whatever do reason, too. he doesn't get a lot of respect. But I think Cote and both of the horses actually really got something out of that race. I like to see them have yeah. a little bit of a gut check before a big race. And Code of Honor, I think, is coming into this great. I think it's cool that uh, Mott's taking on the boys of the late. I, well, what do you do? You think she has a shot here? Is she ducking Midnight Bisu? Is it, or do you buy into the theory that and the number six horse of late is a, a, a filly running against the boys here? Uh, they say she likes a mile and a quarter. Those weren't like those weren't tremendous race. Like the Delaware Handicap, I know it's a mile and a quarter, but she beat Escape Claws and Blue Prize, so now she beat monsters in that field. What do you think of them running her in this race? I think with her running style, her big build, she looks like the kind of mare that can kind of physically handle running against the boys. You don't like to see the like the petite, kind of leggy, lanky fillies run against the boys as much. If they get if they get bumped, it's kind of like me getting bumped by a linebacker. <laughs> it it you know it doesn't it doesn't go as well. Whereas uh, she's kind of a big physical mare. I do think the mile and a quarter is better for her. And there's no shame in ducking Midnight Bisu if she wants any shot at the Eclipse. She kind of needs to run second here or when and keep, it's, and it's interesting I keep back to Yoshida I keep coming back to Yoshida I liked a draw him so much right, at the beginning like of the year and I just yeah. don't I don't know I just he doesn't do it he hasn't inspired me in his last couple of races but I, boy will Mike Smith be riding hard to win this race after getting taken off McKenzie is is war will go to the front with the blinkers on here he I, has I to right I think that changes McKenzie is the target or do they make the jockey change on McKenzie because they want to go with McKenzie because Baffer was upset they didn't go last time Mongolian groom went wire to wire I, I think the blinkers for War of Will are certainly interesting. Got to be a factor, and I think and I think he's good enough to stick around a little bit. He's been, he's not the most consistent, but when he fires, he's so good. So I think it's kind of what do you do with him? Which War of Will shows up? But I, I won't talk you off year. of Yoshida. I don't, I don't. I don't want War of Will. Um, Drosselmeyer. I, I had Drosselmeyer that year. I'm sure you did. I was. That was at Belmont, correct? That was in California, I think. No, I, or. Uh, I, it One all of those years together. I watched somebody who I didn't think was going to win the Classic cost me a lot of money. <laughs> I was there for one of them at Belmont. Um, so what do you do with Seeking the Soul? I use him underneath for sure. Absolutely, right? He, for like, sure. Like He's I said about Arklow. If, if you want to use a bunch of horses in first and second and key him He ruins your exotics if you leave you, him off you your ticket. You have to use him. This, this is what Dallas Stewart does. He's, yeah, he just he ruins, ruins your tickets. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to use underneath. But if I had to make a pick right now today, 
Uh, I'm leading Yoshida at eight to one in this race, and you are leading Code of Honor. That seems yep. Good guy, Exacta. There we uh, go. Jess Paquette from Suffolk Downs. Uh, Suffolk Downs is open this weekend. We if are you're in Boston. Simulcasting is there. You can go there, watch all the races, bet all the races, uh, and hopefully with Jess's uh, and the great leadership of Jess and Chip Tuttle and the folks over there at Suffolk Downs, we are racing in New England somewhere for a long, long time. Uh, happy Breeders' Cup weekend. Happy Enjoy Breeders' it. Cup. She gave you a lot of prices right there uh, as we continue Breeders' Cup 2019. Well, I mentioned off the top and doing this podcast for well over 10 years, and a guest I think every year uh, has been our buddy Dick Girardi, who joins us uh, courtesy of our friends at ExpressBet. You see Dick's work in the Daily Racing Forum. He's obviously covered sports in Philadelphia for a long time. Uh, as we get set for Breeders' Cup this weekend, and the ExpressBet uh, wagering guy we tell you about every single year, they present Dick Girardi with us here today. Go to expressbet.com right there on the front of the website. There's a free wagering guide. It's a PDF. You print out the uh, thing right there. It's your printer for the weekend. You got Dick's uh, opinions on some of the races we'll talk about today. Steve Bick uh, of Horse Racing Radio. You've got our buddy Bob Newmeyer uh, back in there again today, and some stats that you'll find invaluable as you pick through a very deep uh, set of races, both Friday and Saturday. And this really is, Dick, the best time of the year. You've got loaded fields, you've got uh, talented horses, and an opportunity, hopefully, for horse players like us to make some money. Happy Breeders' Cup, my friend. Yeah, happy Breeders' Cup to you, too, Mike. It's the final exam of the year, and you know we've all been studying since the beginning of the year, getting ready for uh, the, these two days, for sure. Well, we got five Breeders' Cup races on uh, Friday. we got uh, nine more on Saturday. This podcast is focusing on uh, 11 of those races. The juvenile turf races, I think any of us would tell you they're uh, races that you're going to find tough to work through anyway. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on those. Instead, we're going to focus on the major races of the weekend. And with Dick, I want to spend some time on the dirt races on Friday. That is now a future star day. Used to be the Phillies day at one point. Used to run the Distaff as the feature. Now it's a future star day with a lot of two-year-olds, including two-year-olds that are hopefully going to be in the gate for the Kentucky Derby in 2020 or the Kentucky, Kentucky Oaks, Dick, because race number seven is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. will go a mile and a 16th. Uh, on the main track there at Santanita, it goes as race seven, about 5.30 Eastern time or so here uh, for race seven on Friday afternoon. And you've got a horse for Simon Callahan that's uh, a just broke your maiden. She's installed down there at three to one. You've got Bob Baffert. You've got a lot of the uh, logical names and trainers for two-year-old Phillies here in this uh, grade one race on Friday. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you mentioned Donna Veloce, the one. She, I saw her first race. Uh, I was watching from home. It was unbelievable. She got a 91 buyer. But she's gone from a maiden straight to a stake, a grade one stake. Now, normally, it's, uh, that's a little too much. But even some of the really good fillies in here, they've only run twice. So it's not like she, she's that inexperienced compared to some of the others. Uh, but I do think she's going to take a lot of play. Uh, I would suspect they'd have to send her from the inside. But we shall see on that. I think Bass is going to get a lot of play, and that's Bob Baffert, and he's obviously great in all these two-year-old races. I don't real, I'm not really in love with her. I, I think I'm going to try to beat her uh, in this race. I think British Idiom is live for Bad Cox. I like to race at Keeneland. I'm going to give you a bomb in this race, the eight, KP Dreaming. I'm not saying she's going to win, and she may not even run at all, but if the race uh, has a tendency to melt down, if there's a lot of early pace and everybody collapses, I think this is going to be 25 to 1. Could hit the board somewhere. So maybe using your exact as your try, something like that. KP Dream in the 8. Uh, I'm, I'm giving out as my bomb of the weekend. Good. 20 to 1. We get Dick Girardi's bomb. It happens on Friday. So a way to maybe build the bankroll on Saturday. You mentioned a lot of the logicals involved in Donna Veloce down on the rail. Uh, let's focus on British Idiom for a second. I'll probably land yep. there. She's 7 to 2 for Brad Cox. And I thought visually. 
Uh, it, it was tough to find a, a better visual move than what this horse did around the turn at Keeneland. I mean, that you don't see moves like that. I heard somebody uh, compare it to a Zeri, the way she moved around the turn. Was that just visual? Did the buyer speed figures that you work with, Dick, do those match up here in a race like this at 7-2? to Yeah, the speed figures are just okay. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I think this thing could, could blow open because – other than Donna Bellocci with her 91, nobody's really run any great numbers in here. Uh, but I'm with you. Visually, I thought British Idiom was the most, uh, the horse I would like the most off just watching the races. But yeah, the number doesn't match up with what, what, I, what you saw, but what you saw was really good. And it's a two year old. She, she improved 14 buyer points from her first start to her second, so there's certainly a possibility she could improve again. The other one we should probably mention is for Steve Aspies and Wicked Whisper, who ran a hole in the race uh, back at uh, oh, Belmont in the Frisette. Uh, was on the front end the entire way, but you wonder about the speed. So Dick's going to go with a big-time bomb here, the number 8 horse in KP Dreamin, who was against a slow pace last time against a couple of these. I'll probably end up on British Idiom, the four horse. Uh, the ninth race on Friday will be hopefully a preview of the Derby next year. It's a Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and this is really, at least on paper, Dick, a two-horse race with the scratch of the number 9, Maxfield. Dennis's moment on the inside, eight rings for Bob Baffert, the number 6 horse. It's those two, and if it's not one of those two, uh, there are going to be some big payoffs in these uh, late pick fours, pick threes, and pick fives on Friday. Yeah, I think that's exactly how it's going to get bad. I'll, I'll be fascinated to see who's the favorite. I think it's going to be Dennis's moment, even though uh, it is Baffert and it's his home territory, and, and certainly eight rings, the two races where the jockey didn't fall off. He's won, he's won by big numbers. Um, I think there's one other horse that's in here that has a chance. That's the five scabbard. Yeah. I, I liked how he ran in the Dennis's moment race. Um, I don't think the two, three, four, seven, eight, I, I don't, I don't think they have any chance at all. So it, it, it comes down to, do you think Dennis's moment is as good as he's looked in his two wins and his workouts? My answer to that is yes. I think he's awesome. I think there's a chance he could be a star. He's going to have to prove it uh, on, tomorrow, but I think there's a good chance he does that. And if that's the case, if Dennis's moment is going to win and win big, which is my opinion, I think that makes eight rings vulnerable for second. So I'm going to try one five in this race. Dennis's moment over Scabbard, which is exactly how it ran in the Iroquois. But with some trepidation, trying to beat Bob Baffert a two-year-old race is never a great idea. Yeah, the only other horse I think that I'm going to probably try to use underneath will be Shoplifted, shoplifted for Steve Asmussen. You mentioned a 21 horse in the Philly race, Dick. 20 to 1 here yeah. uh, for yeah. Asmussen and Ricardo Santana. Uh, his maiden breaker was something special up at uh, Saratoga. That was the day it was a dead rail, and he stayed off of it. But since then, uh, maybe he's not developed, but he's been uh, out there for a while. He shipped out with Matoli and some of the other big horses for Asmussen. He's been out there for a month. Uh, he's worked on that track, and he was so wide in that eight rings race. So I, I maybe underneath... One of those two, Dennis's moment or eight mm-hmm. rings, I'm willing to use shoplifted, uh, but I think those two on top, you mentioned scabbard and, and shoplifted as a bomb, I'll include as well. As for Saturday, look, these are some awesome races. Uh, it's tough to pick a favorite. I think the race that you wrote up uh, when it comes to the, the wagering guide, the express bet wagering guide, the Breeders' Cup sprint, I think it's the best race. And, and I think if, if Matoli wasn't in so deep here, and I still really, really like him in this spot, uh, I'd, I'd make my biggest bet of the weekend on Matoli, even at a short price. I think he's that good. Um, I, I'm just concerned that he is facing such a deep field, Dick. There are about a million ways you can go in what I think is the deepest and most talented race on this card on Saturday. 
Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, Matoli's going to be a deserving favorite. The only time he got beat all year, the horse that beat him, Imperial Hemp, broke the track record in a freak performance, and he was on the dead rail at Saratoga. So you can probably just throw that performance out. Yep. If Matoli had gotten the post that Imperial Hint got, I would think he couldn't lose. Uh, but the fact that he's inside chance a lot, who's going to go, and he's probably going to have to run a little sooner than he wants to. And Imperial Hint, all of his best races, Mike, are when he's outside with a target. Well, he's going to be outside with a target or two here. Uh, that's how he broke the track record at Saratoga. That's how he's won some of his other big races. So I think the post draw favors Imperial Hint. But, man, anybody that is certain about anything in this race is better than me because I think this is really close. And chance a lot that 121 buyer is still sitting out there. You know he's done it. I don't know that he can do it again. But if he does, then obviously he's dangerous. Yeah, obviously uh, you mentioned some of the, the players in here. And it just it feels like in, this re- in these races, Dick, um, th- th- you look and say maybe there's too much speed. Inevitably, you look back at some of these charts from these Breeders' Cup sprints these speed horses find a way to stay on. So I'm not going to completely rule out one of these horses getting brave on the front end and holding on. That's how talented they are uh, on this main track at Santanita on Saturday. Yeah, what often happens is exactly that. Everybody's envisioning this thing, and then they run the race, and all of a sudden some horse is four lengths in front at the eighth pole, and you go, I guess they're not going to collapse. Yeah, it happens all the time. (laughs) So, yeah, if one of those three doesn't win, I'd be really surprised. I think the best value of the three is going to come on Imperial Hint. Uh, I think Matoli's going to be a solid favorite. He should be, but he's going to be the least of the values in here, given how contentious the race is. You give Catalina Cruiser any shot to close down on the rail uh, based on that last trip? Yeah, I don't. I, I, think, I think he's in the wrong race. I think they should have gone in the dirt mile. I get the fact that they're in here. Uh, I'm not unhappy they're in here. Didn't like his work on the 19th. Didn't particularly like the, the last work. And he's on the rail, and everything's going to have to go right. And, and I don't think he's as fast as any of the other three horses I mentioned, so he's going to have to pass them all. I just don't see it. All right, let's turn our attention to the big one on Saturday, Dick. It's the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, this has a, a, a race, and we've talked about uh, this horse quite a bit this year in McKenzie. Uh, I guess you go off as the favorite, but as I've thought for a couple of weeks, if McKenzie's the favorite in the Classic, then it's a race that – I think we can make money, and I don't think he wants the distance. Uh, I don't think his workout at two back, uh, which some of these guys uh, were watching and, and thought he was not that interested, and maybe the, the tail was swishing, which sometimes mean there's an issue with the horse. But really, it's the distance for me. I don't trust him, and I'm going to look elsewhere. What do you want to do with McKenzie in the Classic at 8.45 Eastern time Saturday night? Hey, look, I think he's vulnerable. The fact that he got just got beat by a 25-to-1 shot is not very comforting. But having said that, he's the most consistently good horse in this field. He, I mean, he's been consistent all year long. He's been second in a couple of races he should have won, like the, the Sanity to Handicap. You can make a case, as good as Matoli was, that McKenzie was the best horse in the Met Mile because of the traffic trouble. Uh, but his last race was very concerning. It, it, and there's really good competition. I'm not as concerned about the mile and a quarter, Mike, as some others. I mean, he did lose the big cap by a nose. I mean, if he'd have won by a nose, then he's okay at a mile and a quarter. So I didn't have a huge problem with that. I think it's the competition. I think Vino Rosso is very live. Yep. I think Code of Honor is clearly live. Uh, and I think that Yoshida is going to run huge. Um, so those are all horses when they run their top race. That's about as good as McKenzie's top race. And McKenzie, I think, on current form, comes in with more questions than they do just because, you know, how do you lose the Mongolian group? Uh, and 
It's it's a great question, and and you mentioned the the, the logicals in here, and the one that's going to be the biggest price who I keep coming back to since the the early PPs came out, really since his race at Saratoga, we had no chance against that pace. Uh, is Yoshida? Yep. I mean, Bill yep. Bill Mott's done this before, man. There 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 there's a feel to this horse that feels like uh, you know Bill Mott can get this one ready, and I know he has a late in here as well. If there's going to be a closer, he's had slow paces before. He's as classy as they come. He's been really lightly raced this year, which I like. It's almost like they pointed to come back after the uh, the top three, four effort a year ago. And if the track is playing to closers, he's going to have a big say in how this thing ends up on Saturday. Yeah, now he looks like the classic mod horse, right? Hasn't run since the 31st of August. You know he's good at a mile and a quarter. He got beat a length and three quarters in this race last year at Churchill when he just got too far back. Too much to do. And he's got the filly in here late who everybody's paying more attention to than Yoshida. And, look, I like Elaine. I think she's a neat horse. I just think Yoshida's better. Uh, but And, and you're going to get a nice price. I think he's listed at eight. He could be double digits. Somebody's going to get ignored in here, and it might be it might be Yoshida. Uh, anyone else in that group, any of the prices there, Dick, you want to include underneath uh, your tickets with the logicals you already mentioned? Yeah, I'll I tell you who could run is higher power. You could put a line through his last race. Remember, he missed the break. I mean, completely missed the break. If he can come back to that Pacific Classic, and I'm not sure where that came from, that's good enough to get him get him into the hunt. Uh, it, it's it's a it's an interesting race. There's no like superstars like we've had in this race in the past. There's no Arrogate California Chrome Battle. Go back 30 years. No Easy Go or Sunday Silence. But it'll be fun because it's the classic and it's Saturday night. And it's a prime time and it's the culmination of the two days. Yeah, and the horse I was thinking of, tip of my tongue, is Drosselmeyer uh, for Bill yep. Mott, who looked yeah. like he had no. He was more of a turf horse, a distance horse, yep. and boom, he picked it up in the classic back in 2011. If you so you know, gun to your head, pick on top. Who are you taking the classic, Dick? I pick McKenzie in okay. the paper, so I'll, I'll stick with that. But am I super comfortable? No, <laughs> for all the reasons we just talked about. All right, you're out there at Santa Anita. We're talking on Thursday. Uh, just from a fan's perspective, I'll admit that it's a weird feeling for me uh, this weekend, the Breeders' Cup, because I, I think given the incidents there at Santa Anita, almost 40 deaths since the beginning of the year uh, on the track in the mornings and the afternoons, I just have a, a lot of trepidation about how this thing is going to play out the next couple of days. Do the people around the game who are there at the Breeders' Cup, Dick, do they have that same feeling on the eve of Breeders' Cup 2019? Absolutely. Everybody's holding their breath. Uh, they're just petrified because this game's never been under this kind of scrutiny before. And obviously when you hold it at the venue where they had all those issues back in the winter, it's going to be incredibly scrutinized. Uh, here's what I think. I think that the Stronic Group and um, Santa Anita have done everything imaginable to, to make this as safe as possible. I, I said to you all, there's probably more vets here than horses. I mean, they, they're just examining every horse over and over and over again. The racetrack itself, which has historically been hard and fast, is much deeper and slower than it's ever been. Most people would tell you that's generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, it'd be safer for the horses. So I think they've done everything humanly possible, uh, and we're just all just, again, holding breath over the weekend, just hoping that nothing happens. You never want to see anything happen to any horse in any race. But when it's being scrutinized like this is, you just you just really don't want anything. To happen. I, I said it over the summer. We talked with uh, Jess Paquette, our friend from Suffolk Downs. I was surprised they held it there, uh, and we'll see if they get through the weekend. Uh, but I, I suspect that all eyes uh, of sport of sports, not only horse racing fans, are going to look very closely at what happens at Santini this weekend. Uh, no matter where you are, whether you're going to be at Suffolk or Mohegan Sun or playing from home, uh, go to ExpressBet.com. Check out the free ExpressBet.com wagering guide. It's right there on the front page. 
You print it out, you take it, you get Numi's picture, you get Dick's uh, breakdown of the sprint race and many more, and you get yourself educated for what is the best racing weekend of the year. Dick, we always appreciate it. know you're busy today. Uh, best of luck this weekend. We'll talk to you Derby 2020, my friend. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks so much. So there it is, uh, an hour of handicapping from some very sharp people who are hopefully going to put us on to some winners. How we sat down with Bernier and uh, Paquette and Dick, and they all gave out prices. <laughs> Jess jumps right into it, gives a 20-to-1 shot. Matt likes a 12-to-1 shot. Uh, Dick's first pick was a, a big-priced horse. So you're talking about handicappers who are not afraid to take a swing, and that's what these days are about, a chance to, in the course of a couple races, get better prices and better payouts and get the rest of the year. That's what the Breeders' Cup is. That's why it's such a big event, even with the the looming trepidation of what might happen at Santa Anita this, uh, this weekend, given that track. It, it's a chance for handicappers who have followed these horses all year to use their information, use their base of knowledge, and use our great handicappers on this podcast uh, to help themselves make some money this weekend. Uh, I'll tweet out, and, and both on Instagram and Twitter, MuttWEEI, follow there, some thoughts for the weekend. But for me... Uh, two or three horses I know uh, I'm going to be focused in on in the turf sprint. Uh, the three-horse Imprimis uh, in the dirt sprint. Uh, I love Matoli. I know he's going to be a short price, but I'm going to key a lot of my day around Matoli in that dirt sprint. If I get two to one on Matoli in that spot, I'm probably going to betting. I know it sounds crazy, but I think that horse is that good. I thought he was going to win the Met Mile. He did. He's going to win the Breeders' Cup sprint on Saturday and prove he might should be in the conversation for horse of the year. Might not get it. It bricks and mortar wins, but uh, I think he's got a, certainly an opportunity. And then uh, I'm going to use y- 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 Yoshida, easier for me to say, uh, prominently in the Breeders' Cup Classic at a price. Uh, and I'll get some other price thoughts out there over the course of the day, both on Instagram and Twitter at MuttWEEI. If you're in Boston, make sure you're at Suffolk Downs. If you're in Connecticut or thereabouts, I'll be at Mohegan Sun for a great free event in their ballroom on Saturday, beginning at about uh, 2 o'clock and going up to the Breeders' Cup Classic at some point late Saturday night. Uh, I want to thank Bill Smith, one of our producers here today. Chris Scheim as well, doing a great job putting this together. Remember, folks, bet with your head, not over it. Make some money. Let's back up the Brings truck for Breeders' Cup 2019. Enjoy the rest. You're Friday.